Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, I would like to ask you to please give me a hearing. Stay with me. 30 minutes is all it'll be, just a few minutes of motivation, some inspiration, some education. And uh, we do this without any type of manipulation because we don't try to manipulate people. We're not trying to con anyone. We're not soliciting finances. We're not selling membership. It's simply a show about giving you accurate information. Information that my desire is that it will verify and identify God's plan for you. And if that is true, then you can orient and adjust to the plan should you desire to do so. But my job is always to get it accurate, not to speculate, not to give human speculation, but divine revelation from the Scripture, from the Word of God, the canon of Scripture. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all of those who write. I love hearing from you. It's awesome when I get letters and you talk about our emails. You can always do that, by the way, by going to the website, rickhughesministries.org or you can just write us a letter to P.O. Box 100 that's P.O. Box 100 in the big city of Cropwell C-R-O-P-W-E-L-L Cropwell, Alabama our zip code over in Cropwell, Alabama is 35054 35054 don't send money we're not asking for money but if you'd like to write in regards to what you're learning or how the Lord is blessing you, we'd love to hear it from you. It's awesome. Love getting great letters. Love getting response. I really love when people tell me that for the first time in their life that they're beginning to grow spiritually. They're beginning to find a qualified pastor that can teach them the Bible. Sometimes people write and say, is there a pastor in my town? And I, I don't always know that. I can often refer them to friends of mine who are great pastors who have all of their material available on MP3 or DVD, and it's all free. They don't charge anything. Thousands of books, all free. And I know, have great confidence, great trust in these men, and uh, we can refer you to them sometime. But I don't always know every pastor in every city where we broadcast our radio show. So thank you for listening. Thank you for encouraging me by sending these letters, these notes. It's always great to hear from you. Now I want to talk to you today about a Christian casualty. A Christian casualty. Many of you have children or grandchildren or maybe a spouse that at one time was uh, in fact interested in God and living for the Lord and now that seems to have gone way down the road. They're casualties. They've gone down the my way highway. They fail to learn and execute God's plan. And the Bible actually calls these sort of people in first, uh, actually Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, the, the Bible says that these sort of people are stupid, that they're naive, that they've walked away from the greatest gift God ever gave, and that's direction and how to live your life and how to have a wonderful life. And the Bible is clear about that. Even beginning as a child, these things are written. The Bible is clear about it. In Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents, honor your father and mother so you could have a long, wonderful life. And yet by rebelling against authority in the home and rebelling against authority in life, people shorten their life every day. They don't have to. 
if they just listen to the plan of God. But some people are not going to do that. Some people are going to be so arrogant that they're going to allow their sin nature, their sin-infused human nature, to control them. Remember, we got that sin nature from Adam. The Bible says, for by one man sin came into the world and death by sin. And now death has passed on all, for all have sinned. The wages of sin is death. We are born spiritually dead. The minute Adam's original sin is imputed to us, we are born spiritually dead. And thus, the Bible says, we have to be born again. If we want to have fellowship with God, the human spirit that's dead by associating with Adam's original sin has to be born again. And that occurs in John 3.16. The Bible clearly says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Being born again is receiving Christ as your Savior. And that's why the Bible says, he that knew no sin was made sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God through him. Having a new life in Christ is an amazing thing. It happened to me when I was 22 years old. At 22, I finally heard the good news. I finally heard that I could begin my life again. I finally heard that God had paid for my sin and I could have eternal life with him. Not that I went around looking for that. I never really paid much attention to God. But when I heard it that night, it made clear sense. That night, the Holy Spirit of God pulled back the window shades of my soul and let me see myself as I really was. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I would go to hell if I died. And I didn't want to. I wanted to have eternal life with God. I never was mad at God. I just always ignored God. That's the night my life changed. There have been times when I've sinned, just like you. We all sin. We all fail. I always compare it to a football game. No one is perfect. Everybody gets blocked, knocked down, fumbles the ball, whatever. But you recover. You get up and you get back in the game. We have three enemies that attempt to defeat us every day. It's called the world, the flesh, and the devil. Those three enemies are always out to get us. And so we have to remember God's plan in our life. So if we want to talk about a Christian casualty, let's talk about what happens when a person is captured by their own arrogance and get into what I call perpetual carnality. Remember this now. Let's, let's get this straight. If you are in fellowship with God, you're spiritual. If you're out of fellowship with God, you're carnal. Sin gets you out of fellowship with God. If you rebound, problem-solving device number one, and confess your sin to God, then you get back in fellowship or back into a spiritual relationship with God. But spirituality is not maturity. Billy Graham cannot be any more spiritual than you or me, but he may be more mature. Same thing for your pastor. So spirituality is based on the filling of the Holy Spirit, and maturity is based on the content of and the execution of the Word of God in your life. So carnality can be temporary, you know, for an hour. It can be perpetual, where you keep going back and back and back and back and back. Or it can be permanent, where you get out of fellowship with God and you just stay there. You don't recover. Any believer, any believer who fails to follow orders and does not refrain from letting the old sin nature control his life is going to be in serious trouble with God. 
Well, what are some of the orders? Let me give them to you here. I call these, and I learned this from a friend of mine who has a military background, the command intent of the commander. The commander's intent. Listen to God's intent. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because Satan seeks to neutralize and destroy you. In 2 Corinthians 2, 11, there's another command in regards to Satan. Do not let the devil get an advantage over you. And then... In Ephesians 4.27, another command in regards to Satan. Do not give place to the devil. So we have three commands I can identify right there to follow orders. Now, we're talking about the devil. He's not omnipresent. He's not like God. God can be in Memphis and in Atlanta at the same time. Satan cannot. He's a created being. He can only be one place at one time. And so, if the devil, we're talking about Satan, we're talking about his plan, his logic, the way that he seeks to divert Christians by distracting them and discouraging them. But as far as Lucifer himself messing around with you or me, since he can only be in one place at one time, I'm sure he has much bigger targets to work on. We know there are fallen angels, and they are called demons, and we know that they can tempt us, test us, try us. But we know the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we're to be smart in regards to Satan's plan. That's why Paul told us to put on the armor of God so we could stand against the strategy of the devil. If we arm ourselves with God's plan, if we learn God's word, we do not have to wind up Christian casualty. Many Christian casualties are those people who do not learn God's word. They don't learn the problem-solving devices. They don't learn to think under the terms of divine viewpoint. They get full of self-pity. They get full of arrogance, and they self-destruct and go off down the my way highway. In regards to the lure of the world, there are some other orders here. For example, in 1 Corinthians 1.20, the wisdom of this world is foolishness. Don't buy into it. In Romans 12.2, don't be conformed to this world. Don't fall into that trap. And in 1 John 2.15, do not love the world. And in regards to your flesh, the Bible is clear about that. Here's the commander's intent, Galatians 5.17, the flesh wars against the spirit. The spirit wars against the flesh. In Romans 13.14, make no provision for the flesh. In Mark 7.20, that which comes out of the heart of man will defile him. In 1 Timothy 2.22, flee youthful lust. In 1 Peter 2.11, abstain from fleshly lust. And so we have the world, we have the flesh, and we have the devil. Most of us don't get past the lure of the world or the temptations of the flesh. That's normally what gets Christians and nails them and gets them out of fellowship and gets them into post-salvation sins. See, once a Christian like you, me, or maybe our children or our, our friends, when they move into perpetual carnality, not permanent, but perpetual, which means they're constantly getting out of fellowship every day. Once they move into that, they begin a perilous slide down the scope, a slope, excuse me, of reversionism. And maybe this is a word you haven't heard me use before, reversionism. This may explain what happened to 
someone you love or maybe your son or daughter. Maybe at one time they had a close relationship with the Lord, but that's all gone away. No more spiritual interest. That's called reversionism. It's when we turn the other way, and then once we go the other way, once we make that U-turn, listen, we're still a child of God, but we can't be identified as such. No one can really tell it because they can't distinguish the believer out of fellowship with God in reversionism from the unbeliever who's never known God. Reversionism is simply the act of reverting back to the former state, going back to your former habits, going back to your former beliefs, or the practice of post-salvation sins permanently or perpetually. It's a believer like you or me who reverses his priorities, has the wrong affections, has the wrong attitude, And that believer, like you or me, goes down the my way, highway. So oftentimes, this reversionism is fueled by a change in status and life sometimes, such as falling in love or getting married or changing their priorities, changing their beliefs to appease the one that you love, the one you're occupied with. That happens sometimes, but nothing, nothing can distract a believer who's growing any faster than a hot love affair. You get into a hot love affair and God is forgotten. The objective of your affection becomes the newfound lover and that person doesn't believe like you believe or doesn't love God like you love God. I have a good close friend who just recently married and I'm proud to say that the person he married, the lady that he married, he was able to introduce her to having a growing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ through consistent study of God's Word, and they do that together. Under the ministry of their pastor, they study together daily. And what a wonderful life to be a corporate witness for Jesus Christ in the devil's world. You fall in love with someone that doesn't believe like you, someone who doesn't care for the Word of God like you, and the end result is distraction. Nothing can distraction can distract a believer like that. So when your old sin nature gets so fired up with lust that you fail to neutralize the activities of the sin nature, you don't rebound, you don't confess your sin, then you sort of get into what I call a frantic search for happiness. You know, you're trying to find happiness in all the wrong places. You're thinking that love will make you happy, that sex will make you happy, that marriage will make you happy. And it's not true. Unhappy people take their unhappiness with them wherever they go. So your spiritual life begins to be totally ignored. And, uh, yeah, you may still go to church sometimes, but it just becomes ritual with no reality to it. Your old sin nature gets so fired up that you fail to neutralize the activities of your sin nature. And then this reversionism that I'm talking about This reversionism that we get into, it's simply related failures in the Christian life would result in failure to execute the protocol plan of God. Down, down, down you go into Christian degeneracy. And let me make this clear. I'm not just talking about immoral degeneracy. There's also moral degenerate. The moral degenerate is the self-righteous religious man who will kill you in the name of God and think he's doing God a favor. The immoral 
person is the is the lustful person who when you want to find him go to the bar go to the honky tonk there he is he's he's chasing immorality but the moral self-righteous one such as the pharisees the scribes the sadducees that our lord had to deal with they were the killers so when we don't rebound our personal sins we begin to sink into subnormal categories of personal sin and there's no spiritual growth we become completely negative to any sort of Bible teaching, and we stall out. We get carnal, we get reversionistic, and down we go. We're still a child of God, we're still saved, we're still going to heaven, but I'm telling you, your time on earth could be shortened. You see, reversionism is a process. It's not one single act. It's the process of reverting back to your old habits going back to your former state of practice. It's, the, it's, it, it's you getting into the temptations of the sin nature and yielding to those temptations. If you fail to rebound sin, but you in fact justify your sin, then you will tell yourself it's okay to follow these sinful patterns in your life. And when you do that, you set up a perpetual carnality because you're going to allow your sin nature to always dominate your thinking. This will short out the protocol plan of God in your life and there will be no spiritual growth. If it's unchecked by confession, if your sin nature is unchecked by confession, then you will sink into subnormal categories of personal sin. Subnormal categories. And they can include a lot of different things. But since there's no spiritual growth in your life, there's no ability for you to think clear, all you're doing is living by human viewpoint, then arrogance sets in, self-justification sets in, self-deception sets in, and you begin to be totally self-absorbed with whatever it is you're pursuing. That's why reversionism demonstrates distraction from the spiritual life. And has to be correction. There has to be discipline. That distraction can be apathy or indifference, wrong priorities. You can react to a lot of different things. But when you react and do not rebound, then you force the hand of God because Hebrews 12 says those that he loves, he will discipline. Without absolute truth, there is no relation to reality. If you're not having truth in your soul, if you're not thinking divine viewpoint, you are irrational, and you will live under the illusion of the mirror of arrogance. Until you begin to think clearly, until you begin to see yourself as you really are, there can be no recovery from sin, only a slow, slow slide down a slippery slope of reversionism, following the my way highway until the road eventually runs out. You know, that type of person, me, you, or anyone we know, they are always going to put wrong priorities as the key to happiness. Things like pleasure or loved ones or social life or the details in life, they're all very important. They are, to these sort of people, they're the keys to fulfillment in life. And they can't handle authority. They will reject the legitimate authority. 
They become increasingly hypersensitive. They lose any sense of objectivity, and they will eventually blame others for their misery. As a result of this arrested spiritual development in their life, they're stalled out spiritually. They become vulnerable to demon influence. I didn't say demon possession. I said demon influence. Doctrine of demons. As the Bible says, Satan has doctrine of demons. Doctrine of demons can be found in organized religion. That's where it is. And so their thinking becomes clouded by the smoke screen that Satan throws up. And they began to believe all sorts of garbage. You know, anything to fill the void in their empty life because there's a spiritual vacuum. And it's interesting to watch Christians get into certain things, get into politics, get into uh, whatever they get into. There's many things they can get into, and they can spend a lot of energy and a lot of time and a lot of money doing something that they think God wants them to do. And this inevitably is a distraction. It can be sort of, uh, you know, jumping into things, uh, not taking your time to think it through, not being sure. You see, you can convince yourself about anything, and you can convince yourself that you're doing the right thing. But uh, in the long run, when you take a step back and look at it, you go, you know, I wasted so much time trying to do this what you thought was right, what you figured was right, but when reality didn't make any difference at all. If you want to spend time doing something, lift up Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He can change the heart and lives of people. As long as people have an old sin nature, you're not going to change anybody. I don't care what political system you put them under. I don't care what type of government you put them under. They still have the sin nature. And until they receive Christ as Savior and learn how to let the Holy Spirit control their life, you're not going to change their actions. There's always going to be jealousy, hostility, implacability, vindictiveness. And you can try all you want to to fix it. You won't fix it. Only God's Word can fix it. When we, as Romans 12:3 says, Stop thinking of yourself in terms of arrogance beyond what you should think, but think in terms of humility, as God has assigned to each one of us a standard of thinking from his word. When that happens, then you can begin to see what God has for you. Then your life can be fulfilled. But as long as you reject legitimate authority of the word of God and become increasingly hypersensitive, lose your objectivity, you're always going to blame other people for the misery. You're always going to blame someone else. You're always going to point a finger at someone else. And like a friend told me one time, when you point a finger at someone else, there's three fingers pointing back at you. Try it. Just make a fist and point a finger. And look at the three pointing right back at you. When you arrest your spiritual growth, when you stall out spiritually, you become vulnerable to demon influence. You get clouded by the smoke screen. You accept false doctrine as a result of rejecting the true doctrine. And this is all saying, Paul talks about this to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.1. But the Spirit says that in the latter periods of time, that's between the first and the second advent of Christ, some believers will become apostate from doctrine, paying attention to deceitful spirit and concentrating on doctrines of demons.
this rejection of truth and this cosmic involvement with satanic doctrine will lead you into a frantic search for happiness where 2 Timothy 3, 4 says they are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So, success, money, friends, sex, material things, they can all be an empty life. These are the ways you try to fill up your life. You're, you're like, you spend money you don't have to buy things you don't need to impress people that you don't even like. It's pitiful. If you're not happy with what you have now, you're not going to be happy or content with what you might have in the future. Because unhappy people, as I said earlier, take their unhappiness with them wherever they go. So if you don't have the capacity to love and enjoy life now, then you don't have any contentment in your life. And without contentment, there is no capacity. Because your happiness doesn't have anything to do with people or circumstances. It's not what you have or you don't have. It's what the Bible says. Happiness belongs to those people who hear my Father's word and who keep it. The pastor's job is to instruct us. The Holy Spirit's job is to make it clear. We are to assimilate the information and apply the information. Hearing and keeping the word of God is the key to happiness in my life and the key to happiness in your life. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 13:5, let your lifestyle be free from the love of money. Be content with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The reversionist may walk away from God, but God will just love him from behind. It's never too late to confess your sin. It's never too late to get back in fellowship, but it's our own arrogance that keeps us from doing that. We don't like to admit we were wrong. We don't like to admit we failed. But until we do that, we cannot grow up spiritually and we cannot untangle ourselves from the mess that we created by getting involved in the affairs of the world. We are called to not be a part of this. It's a different life. It's a unique life. It's a spiritual life. It's a supernatural life. And it's a life that Satan will oppose with all that he has. I hope you're listening. I hope you're paying attention. And I hope you will continue to listen. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me through the website, rickhughesministries.org. So until next Sunday, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.